This is a Kitty Pod production. From Television City in Hollywood. Hey, man! Welcome to episode number 151. I know you're as stunned as I am. Of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. My name, of course, and as always, is Jason Bullet. The regulator, innovator, dominator, creator, updater, pussy, imitator, assassinator, baby. I demand the power, demand the power, too sweet to be sour. They call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm your premium. And this episode is coming to you at the end of February 2022. And quite possibly the end of the world. I'll tell you why in just a minute. But let me get my social media out of the way first before we get into all that. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at keep underscore podcast. There's also the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page. And coming soon, I promise, the Kitty Pot Instagram feed. You'll be seeing pictures of episodes of this podcast and my true crime podcast, CR Crime. New episode will have dropped by the time you hear this. I'll tell you what it's all about later on. But I hate to start uh, with some bad news and the end the news segment. I'm bringing it back first time in a good long while. Uh, I have to talk about what's going on in the world right now. Uh, as of recording, uh, Vladimir Putin is at it, folks. The shit has hit the fan in Europe. Russian troops have invaded Ukraine. And it all kicked off Thursday. They're surrounding the capital of Kiev. K-Y-I-V, not Kiev. It's Kiev now. And... And the shit's about to go down, folks. At least that's what I'm thinking. I don't know what to say about it, but I will say, you know, we're getting ready for... I mean, you think inflation's bad enough already. I think, I'm think i fearing that, in my mind, it's starting to, it's going to get uh, even worse. We're trying to recover from this COVID pandemic. We're nearing the third year of that bullshit. And uh, this is going to hamper things, at least that's my way of thinking. There's people more learned about this than I am. I'm just a... A country boy from upstate New York on the autism spectrum who's, you know, just, that's it. I'm, I'm trying to get out of this best I can, but I'm trying to keep my head above water on all this. And it really depressed me and it shocked and saddened folks the world over, well, most of the world over, when the news came of Russia invading Ukraine. We had feared that for some time and now here we are, ladies and gentlemen. And Biden went on, addressed the American people. He said, well, I ain't going to be like the other clod who was in the White House just four years ago. He had got old buddy-buddy with, with Putin. He to really uh, address the American people. He says, I'm on his side, just so you know. Biden's doing it a lot differently now. And thank God for that. Just imposing sanctions. But there's reports like in history, sanctions haven't really worked. It's just saber-rattling. It's pretty weak. We got troops in Germany. We're not going to fight you with the Ukrainians. We're not going to take Putin down himself, send uh, uh, some of our men and women in uniform to go in there and flush them out. They're leaving the Ukrainians to defend themselves. We're just going to impose sanction. I Hopefully we won't get involved. Nothing's off the table in this whole deal. And Russia with a pretty elite army of cyber hackers, I'm afraid that critical infrastructure will... It will get affected. We're thousands of miles away in a big ocean separating the two superpowers. I mean, critical infrastructure could get hacked over in Russia. Well, they could be the ones doing the dirty on that whole deal. You know, we're talking like, you know, we had the Colonial Pipeline last year. 
that suffered a, a hack attack last year. And then uh, wor what worries me is that they're going to get the electrical grid. And unless it's a power outage induced by nature or a blown transformer or aging infrastructure, those are easy to deal with. You can make the repairs. When a cyber hacker comes in there and starts, comes in there and does the business, game over, dude. We'll be F-U-C-K-D before you can say Salamagundi, if you can say Salamagundi. That's just my feeling, the whole thing. And I uh, talked to my dad last night on a video chat, and he expressed, like, you know, we all got to get through this. Just pray that everything, is, you know, doesn't get the worst-case scenario. I'm like, it already has. <laughs> How low can it go? Let's be honest about this here, people. So what I do in times like these, I try to minimize my exposure to this type of news as much as I possibly can. You know, I, I'll watch Mystery Science Theater 3000. I find episodes on YouTube. You know, go on there and just find stuff I enjoy. Read and just try and limit my exposure to the news. I think that's how everybody should do it. You want to stay informed, but you don't want to go completely over your head. I remember going on two years ago with this pandemic, back to that for a sec, and just... You know, reading the article or just going like social media, reading, going on these news websites, the CDC's website, and just going down a rabbit hole that really put me in a bad spot mentally. I'm a little, I'm more prepared now to deal with the stress, but even with the Zoloft prescription, even I couldn't have seen the stress coming. Part of me yesterday wanted to call my doctor and say, I should, I mean, last night, actually, thank you, old Clark, much needed levity. Anyway, back to the lecture at hand. Part of me last night, I want to say, well, tomorrow, I should probably call my doctor and see, can we up the dosage? I only, I don't see him for another two weeks. It's a follow-up appointment, and things have been going great. I'm back to, I don't know about stepping fast at my age, but laughing easy. That's been mission accomplished on that whole deal. So, there you have it, gang. Uh, just pray for the people of Ukraine if you are of that persuasion. You know, think about them going forward because they're really getting in the you-know-what and that's saying the least of it right now. That's all I've got to say about that to quote Forrest Gump. There ends the segment. Okay, folks, I gotta admit, that was some heavy shit we started off with there, I'll tell you. Well, let's try and lighten the mood here and get on with the vanity portion of this episode. Back on the Sunday of President's Day weekend, it was 100 years to the day that WGY went on the air for the first time ever. And as such, WGY decided to mark the occasion by doing a afternoon's worth of special programs. And 1 o'clock in the afternoon, it all started with morning man Doug Gowdy, which if you've heard him before, you'll know what hardened arteries sound like. He hosted a one-hour special, actually a two-hour special, talking about the station and, you know, all the all the stuff there. And I don't want to say innovations, but what the station has meant to New York's capital region and the radio broadcasting industry in general. So there was some great stuff there. Then at 3 o'clock, Joe Gallagher, who until just before the pandemic was the weekend morning man at WGY. I remember my old workplace, I would listen to him on occasion. I listened to him a lot way back when. Less so as I got to be an adult. He hosted a one-hour show. It was kind of like a reunion thing. A lot of great surprises there. And then at 4 o'clock, they switched over to this place in Albany called the Kenmore Ballroom. 
And the WGY Players 2022 edition did a recreation of the first ever radio drama to be broadcast on radio. And one of the first programs aired on WGY, a play called The Wolf by Eugene Walter. And it all ended about 535. All the while, I liked how they did the production. The uh, They got different jingles for the special occasion for uh, you know bumpers, stingers, that whole bit. Jim Gagliardi was live in studio giving news updates on the hour and the half hour. And he signed off each one by saying WGY was New York State's first radio station. And it certainly was. So it was very interesting to hear all the programming on that Sunday afternoon. I was trying to you know, listen to it while down here with my dad and Nancy at the living room of Bullet House watching the Daytona 500. So I had that on mute or at low enough volume where it wouldn't disturb anyone and, you know, rouse suspicion. So interesting program. By the way, this WGY podcast called Wireless celebrating the station's 100th anniversary. They're still doing episodes, even though we're long past the date now. I listened to one episode or maybe two episodes a week doubled up in the run up to the February 20th, this past one. And it was very interesting, insightful interviews. Three more dropped this past week. And if you're into broadcasting history, even if you're not from my old bailiwick, I highly recommend that you give this podcast a listen. It's some great stuff, especially if you're a broadcasting history wonk like I am. And by the way, all three of those Sunday afternoon programs were put on the podcast feed. So if you missed any minute of it during the day when it was broadcast live, well, guess what? You're able to listen again on the podcast. So that was good news right there. Watch well, a little Daytona 500, as I mentioned earlier. Not to turn to Jason Sports Corner. Same weekend the Winter Olympics ended over in Beijing. And I thought it was interesting. I forgot who won. It's so long now. And, of course, uh, I hate to turn to Jason Sports Corner again without the music. Uh, what's going on in Ukraine? I mentioned that earlier. All these sports federations are really giving it in the shorts. Uh, FIFA kicked out Russia from the World Cup qualifying. Going to be in the Middle East this year. It's going to be right after, How about that? World Cup soccer instead of the summertime with a nice cool glass of lemonade and sitting by the pool. We're going to be having footy with our Thanksgiving dinner. That's how corrupt their organization FIFA is. And you know... If a corrupt organization like FIFA or maybe equally corrupt with like the uh, International Olympic Committee, they have to kick you out of competition, you really done fucked up big time, let me tell you. Oh boy, so Russia is out of uh, the World Cup qualifying. Poland, Sweden, the Czech Republic, their soccer team said, we're boycott, we ain't playing him. They put the pressure on FIFA to say, you're out of here, Putin, get out. And, you know, World Cup of skiing, they're not going to hold any events in Russia. I mean, this is just amazing. And also, big-time sanctions over there, the United States and Europe. They're really putting the pressure on, the rubles tanking. And I'm going to listen to this episode of another podcast I highly recommend called Plain English by Derek Thompson. And they've had a whole raft of these episodes since the invasion began in earnest. And the most recent episode I listened to was about the like the impacts 
about the, the sanctions they're having on Russia. I mean, we're getting high as hell gas prices out here now. Four bucks a gallon in this neck of the woods, and I'm sure it's higher, if not the same price other places. Probably where you're at right now. So, there you have it. There's going to be a, a good deal of pain at the pump going forward. That is for sure. Oh, I just look at the title here. It says, what Putin will do next in the West's unprecedented, air quotes, financial war on Russia. So, that's the most recent episode. So, they've really been churning it out there in the ringer with, you know, this podcast. Really getting to enjoy that. Find it informative, even if the subject matter is depressing. So, there you have it right there. So, not much of the vanity portion. I have to admit, it's been a while since I started recording this episode. I'm sure... Um, you know, Ukrainians are fighting the Russians, tell them, get out of our country, Putin. We hate you like the heave of a thousand suns. And I just want to say that uh, the Keep It To Yourself podcast and your humble host, Jason Bullitt, stands with the people of Ukraine. We are certainly thinking about you guys. Okay, folks, I realize now, and you're going to call me on it, I let off with some real heavy shit to start this episode. Then I lighten the mood. Then we went back to the offending article. Well, we're going to end this episode by, for reals, lightening the mood with the Friday Five. But before we get into all that, we're going to do the pod shout-outs here. No episodes of the Sportscasters or 24-inch podcast from Steve Bennett. But you can follow him on social media at the Sports underscore Casters. GFA Live, Peter Winston and Keith Langston. Had two episodes out in the past weeks. First up, WWF Wrestling Challenge from February 9th of 1992. This is where Sid went in and laid waste to the barber shop. Well, this was about a month or so after Shawn Michaels threw Marty Jannetty out of the window. Great commentary by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan on that whole deal. And then most recently was WWF Superstars from February 15th. Had some changes to the WrestleMania eight card on that whole deal. You can follow Peter on Twitter at GF Allentown. The Breaking Down Show, Pete A. Turner had some great guests. Chris Golston about the Chapel of Rock. John Murray with some spy talk, especially what's going on over in Europe with Ukraine and everything. I've mentioned that three times now. David Eubank and Don Frazier. Frazier was a... Uh, very interesting episode about the history of the old wish. That's right. And David Eubank talking the free Burma Rangers. Those are some great interviews. So check that show. You can follow Break It Down Show at Break It Down Show on your social media. And the host of same, Pete A. Turner at Pete A. Turner. And the Loyal Littles podcast, Chuck and Roxy had Charlie Pierce. No, not the sports writer and former Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me panelist. The same name. And John Lorenz. And we had a new third wheel on one of the most recent episodes, too. You can follow the episodes, and well, you can follow the show, rather, at Loyal Littles Pod on your social media. As for this little dog and pony show, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all the things. Well, most of them, anyway. Oh, yeah. There's also the matter of my true crime podcast, CR Crime, which is available on a fraction of those platforms. And it was the murder of Elizabeth Lamont. Something of more recent vintage. Pre-COVID days, if you will. And back to this podcast, if I may. If your podcatcher has 
rating and or review capabilities, please uh, be a dear. Give me a five-star review and a good write-up. I really appreciate it. Thanks in advance for all that. And with that out of the way, ladies and germs, we're going to now get to the TK Little Smart and Funny Friday Five for the first week of March 2022. And we're going overseas, ladies and gentlemen. Get your passports, your plane tickets, pack your bags, etc. We're going over to England. Sam Gordon, who hails from Belfast, Northern Ireland, but now lives in Weston Super Mari, England. That's the same hometown as John Cleese of Monty Python, you may recall, or you may not know if you're like me. Well, he came up with the Friday Five, and here's his premise. I love to travel and have visited countries in Europe, Asia, Africa, and North America, but all the fun has been on hold for the last couple of years due to COVID. Next week, negative COVID test permitting, I'll be traveling to the U.S. for a road trip to add a few new states to my visited list. So to celebrate this, today's Friday Five is travel-related, and his questions are as follows. Number one, a straightforward one to start. Favorite city or country you visited? Well, let me tell you something. I answered this morning, and I got to say, I really enjoy here in the States visiting New York City, Burlington, Vermont. Paid a couple of visits there during my college days. And Montreal up in Canada, I visited all three of those places, either with family or in some Castleton-related function. I also did Boston, too. Boston's a good city, too, even though my mom passed away there five years ago this month. Rest in peace, Lois Bullet. Love you, Mom. As for countries, I'd say Canada on the back of Montreal. And, well, not technically a country. i got to go to the island of St. Martin, going there on a cruise many years back. This is when cruises were a thing, folks. Those were great. Speaking of New York City, Brian Becker said, I always enjoy visiting Manhattan. Some great answers here. Betsy Oilman Jaffe said, Sydney, Australia, Cosmopolitan, Historic, Great Beaches, Restaurants, ETC. Steve Tissier said, Boston, lived there a while, and I love to visit, but never, shout out Sully. Jamie Julian, wife of the incomparable Robert Berg, said, I love London so much, I still dream of living there. Well, Sean Patrick mentioned Sam's hometown. Belfast in the north, Northern Ireland, covering all my bases in particular. What, no love for Dublin? Eric Londrigan said, Italy, straight off. Bobby Godfrey, New Zealand, all of it. It's gorgeous. Great, Jemaine, Murray. <laughs> Elaine Olshansky, toss up between Israel and Japan. Kate Milan also said Italy as well. As I've almost uh, dropped the ball on that whole deal. All right. Mike Kubitschek said London. If I could afford it, I'd move there. Good luck, fella. Really can't afford most places here in the United States. All right, question numero dos. What's a place you haven't yet visited but have on your to-do list? Betsy Oilman Jaffe in the leadoff spot again. I would love to visit Singapore and Thailand. No comment. Sean Patrick said, a full-on Europe trip if I have to narrow it down, London, Paris. There you go, go across the channel. I'd say, I said Ireland and also where this guy's from, the UK. <laughs> if I want to go to Europe, that's where I'm going. And probably Paris, too, if I had to, you know, say that. Dinia Godich said Scandinavian countries. That was her plan for the summer of 2020, but COVID took all that away temporarily. Greg Smallwood said Hawaii someday. 
I remember what would have been my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. They said if mom was still alive, she and dad would have flown to Hawaii for their 50th wedding anniversary, which would have been just cosmic. Oh, man. Sam Gordon said, how's this, folks? China. We actually had a tour planned, but it got kiboshed by COVID. Hopefully get to reschedule it in the next couple of years. Or as he'd say, reschedule. Jennifer Corpick said, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. Oh, the Canadian Maritimes. Heading there this summer and cross your fingers, Iceland next year. Shout out Frank Sakari. Kate Milan said, Alaska. Ooh, some good ones here. All right. Rupesh Sharma said, England, especially Wembley and Anfield. Liverpool supporter for sure. Jeff Flowers said, the Mediterranean and the islands slash countries there, especially Greece and Italy. Couple of places where my dad stopped during his tour of duty in the Navy. David Spector said Italy, all of it. I can make a case for every nook and cranny of that country, whether it's food, wine, history, art, nature. If I ever make it there, my chances of coming back are about 1%. Sam Gordon, the author of this whole deal, said, Love Italy. You won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed if you ever do make it. Talk much? And Jeff Turner said, I will get to Hawaii and Alaska to complete the 50 states for me. Beyond that, Great Britain is the top of my list. Ancestry says, I'm more British than most Brits are. Looking forward to that trip. Lee Gordon said, I've never been to New Orleans, so that's definitely on my list. When my train was canceled and I unexpectedly drove to Florida, I passed through Savannah on I-95 and reasonably close to Charleston, South Carolina, but did not get to see or visit either city. I would like to rectify that. All right, question number three said your favorite mode of transport, and this, you know, this, this narrows it down. I hope nobody said dog sledding. I did a rod stirring up in Alaska this weekend. Betsy Oman Jaffe said, I love trains. And I said the same too. Jeff Kenton said, walking gets me where I need to go. Close second, biking. Jamie Julian agrees. Walking is preferred, but for longer distances, I do love public transit. I said, well, I'd like to travel by train one of these days. Uh, if it's walking in a big city, I agree with Jamie Julian. Train wins every time. Scott Moffat, great minds think alike. Brian Becker, trains when available, although walking around cities is pretty damn enjoyable. Dina Yagodich, trains whether domestic or overseas. Well, I wouldn't want to take a train overseas. And Eric Londrigan said Amtrak and tagged them. I watch way too many train videos on YouTube. I like watching the Virtual rail fan grab bags, and it's half Amtrak, half freight trains what are featured on those cameras. Sam Gorn says, trains for me as well. I love driving and do loads of walking, but always love a train journey if it's doable. Can you speak tonight? Are you having a silent stroke or something? Will you get out of here? Oh, Jiminy. Whew. Jennifer Corpick says, I like driving in the U.S. and high-speed trains in Europe. Well, I watched Jeopardy tonight. California had the dream of a bullet train. No relation in California. They said, well, by 2030, we'll get the line between Merced and Bakersfield. We hope to have that completed. It was originally going to be San Francisco to L.A. and back. All right, Rupesh Sharma. I love subway slash trains for local travel. I love the light rail system in the Twin Cities. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, don't you know? All right, number four. The furthest you've traveled for a sporting event or a concert? Well, I answered this morning and I said, well, 
either direction. It's, I grew up in Wilton, New York, Saratoga Springs, that area. And we're about halfway between New York City and Montreal. So about equal distances. So for my answer, as he tries to find it, and he does, he said within three months of each other when I was a lad of 10 years old, Reggie Jackson Day at the old Yankee Stadium and the New England Patriots versus the New York Jets at the equally old Foxborough Stadium. Honorable mention, my only NHL game to date, Montreal Canadiens versus the New York Islanders two months after 9-11. So about three-hour drive. Okay, uh, weren't you in Castleton where you saw that? Oh, yeah, you're right. At least you proved yourself useful this time. Usually annoying, but hey, you proved yourself right. Hey, broken clock's right only twice a day, you know. Okay, that's enough. Betsy Oilman Jaffe. This is, uh, oh, you can tell who's the first to answer these questions. <laughs> I get lost in the shuffle. I just wait, like, everybody's answered. All right, back to the lecture at hand. Anyway, Betsy Oilman Jaffe says, I have traveled 300 miles each way to see my daughter perform and 250 to go to Broadway. Most concert tours come to D.C. Metro, so I tend not to travel for this. Well, I did sporting event. Uh, I think the longest I've gone for was a two Broadway show. I forgot to mention that. Uh, the first one was when I was in high school, and there were select members of the band, orchestra, and the high school choraliers. That's what we called our chorus group, glee club, whatever you want to call them. And we went and saw the Wednesday matinee of Footloose at the Richard Rogers Theater. Then, three years later, flash forward and fast forward and flash your yayas. Oh, don't do that. No, no. <laughs> anyway, fast forward about three years later. I'm a student at the aforementioned Castleton University, now Castle, well, then Castleton State College, soon to be Vermont State College. And a whole bunch of us from the old summer transition program have a little reunion trip that weekend, and we're staying in New York City, and we went and saw the Saturday matinee of Noises Off at the Brooks Atkinson Theater, not to be confused with Brooks Robinson, former uh, legendary third baseman of the Baltimore Orioles. Are you stop talking sports for one second? All right, Dave Griffin. Jeez, you're in league with him. All right, back to normal service resume. All right, back to the lecture at hand for reals this time. And saw so Noises Off, it was... Peter Gallagher, I think that's his name, and Ida Lupino in the starring roles. And what a treat that was. It was a real trip, to be honest with you. Next thing you know, eight years later, I'm with Homemade Theater in Saratoga. I'm volunteering. Heck, I tried out to be in the cast. Didn't get a part, though. Okay, where are we? All right, Steve Tissier said it'll be this July, 613 miles to Nashville to see Brandy Carlisle and the Indigo Girls. What was Casey Musgraves out of town? Jeff Kenton said, Growing up in South Dakota, getting from Mitchell, my hometown, home of the Corn Palace, to Rapid City for several state tournaments was around 400 miles. All right, Scott Moffat said, Look at this. This is the longest one so far. 1,136 miles to Frisco, Texas to see James Madison University. Play for a football national title. That's dedication right there, gall dang it. Whew. Sean Patrick. Well, this is weak compared to that. About 400 miles from Boston to State College, PA. We did a group sports-related trip years ago that included a couple Mariners games, but we weren't there for games. I was in Los Angeles a few years ago and went to Dodger Stadium. But same thing, always on vacation. 
Eric Londrigan, four years ago, I took a train across the country and spent two days in San Francisco and went to a Giants-Dodgers game. That was more of an I'm-in-the-area thing. Specifically for a game, I flew to Seattle to see opening day 2000 Red Sox-Mariners. Pedro Martinez had a two-hitter with 12 strikeouts. Oh, I forgot to mention that, too. Going to see a game at Fenway Park the year previous. I'll reply to him later. We gotta wrap this up. Greg Smallwood. Hey, eat this, Jeff Flowers. Or Scott Moffat, whoever wrote that last one down. 2,500 miles round trip, Dayton, Ohio, to the 1976 Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and he said that it was his first time in an airplane. Well, Sam Gordon, you can tell this is Europe, and here's what he did. Furthest to see a sporting event was San Francisco for a Giants game or Hong Kong for the horse racing, but they were both as part of other trips. I think it's, say, the Red Sox, too. That was part of my spring break with Mom, you know, going through Boston and all that. That's how we wrapped her up. Further specifically for an event was a road trip to the Balkans to watch Northern Ireland. Over a 1,000 miles, six different countries, and two games over four days. CMAP for details, because visual media always goes well on a podcast. And he did the loop. Croatia, Slovenia, Australia. Whoop, Australia, wow. <laughs> did they get in that playoff with Oceania? Anyway, I meant to say Croatia, Slovenia, Austria, Slovakia, Hungary, and Bosnia. Wow, we oh man. Jennifer Corpick said, drove to Cleveland from Cincinnati. That's a four and a half hour slog to see you two on three occasions. Totally worth it. What were you groupies? How about this? Ron St. Amant, Virginia Beach to Syracuse for the Rolling Stones. Greg Dobbs says, 10 hours through a blizzard. Whoa. <laughs> I would not want to be you, fella. I pray Christ that I'm not in the same position as you. Rupesh Sharma, specifically for a sporting event, would have been 750 miles to St. Paul, Minnesota to see FCC, that's FC Cincinnati in the MLS, get destroyed 7-1 in a soccer match. Worth a trip? Question mark? You be the judge. <laughs> I don't know if it was, hey Rupesh, I don't know if you're listening, but I don't think it was worth burning the gas or the airplane miles or spending the money on the ticket and whatnot to see your beloved MLS club get absolutely shellacked. Well, they didn't get shot out. They only scored one goal. Yeah, but they gave up seven. Jeff Flowers said, I just went to Las Vegas to see Earth, Wind, and Fire in November. For a sporting event, I went to see the Lions play in Dallas. And they lost in heartbreaking fashion by a field goal as time expired. Of course. A lot of great answers here. David Spector. Back in 2004, I managed to convince the woman to whom I'm related by marriage, that would be his wife, to drive 830 miles from Cincinnati to Shreveport, Louisiana, to watch my alma mater, that's the University of Miami, Ohio, play in the Independence Bowl. Because, you know, when will we ever have the chance to visit the Xanadu-like paradise of Shreveport again? God bless her for being a good sport. I sold it by promising stops in Memphis and Little Rock along the way and giving her a spa day at the hotel. FYI, Miami lost that one, and I've hated Iowa State ever since. But the locals down there were awesome to hang with. Well, Lee Gordon, last summer, drove 730 miles, 365 each way, to Jingle Fest. And I plan to do it again this June. Well, have fun down there, fella. And I've lost the questions again. You're slipping, aren't you? Yeah, sadly. Okay, and finally, and I certainly mean that, and I hate to put you through this, but 
Here we go. Fifth and final question. And finally, to allow for a bit of TK-style kvetching, what is the worst holiday? That's how they call vacations over there in the UK. What's the worst vacation or place you've visited? All right. Jeff Canton was a leadoff man this time. He said, I don't like expectations. So the holidays that have a particular must-do are immediate targets for my let's try something else strategies. It seems like there are many of them, alas. I like holidays, well, vacations. I don't like having to do anything particular for them. I hope that makes sense. Brian Becker, fist bump emoji. Give him the dap. Sean Patrick, taking a trip with a type A who demands we plan out everything to the minute and is upset if an afternoon gets off track. Sorry that we didn't get to stare at that painting for five minutes, sunshine. I was enjoying the scene at the pub. I weighed in for a place that I hadn't visited in almost three decades. Cape Cod, Massachusetts is overrated in my book. I've recorded two whole episodes that were dedicated to my little travels down in, you know, my travels, I should say, down in Cape Cod. So there you go right there. Sean Patrick responded, where did you stay? The traffic in some spots can be suboptimal. Staying right on the water, which costs big bucks, might offer a different experience. And I responded, one year Harwich, the next year Chatham, rented properties on both occasions. And I made some recommendations for two local businesses. I responded to myself. Brian Becker said, although it's not a true holiday, the worst day of the year for me is the day that daily savings time ends. And Greg Smallwood concurs, says, absolutely, wish we had it year-round. There are some places here in the States that do that. Kevin Murphy. No, not that Kevin Murphy. Never really had a bad time anywhere we've traveled. I think you have to make your own good times and fun. All right, uh, Sam Gordon, our author, said, My wife is a meticulous planner, so we always have great holidays. Only one that wasn't so great was about 15 years ago on a family trip to Disney World. We arrived at the apartment that we'd booked to find out there, there was major renovation work going on, and we couldn't even see out the windows as they were blocked by a massive rubbish skip. Luckily, the letting agent was able to get us moved after a couple of days, but it wasn't a great start to a holiday. Hope you overcame that, bud. Ron St. Amand, anything involving a boat. I may look like a grizzled sea captain, but I don't handle it well anymore. You got big steady hands, Mr. Hooper. Been counting money on your life. Tie me a sheep sink. Jeff Flowers, more international uh, hijinks. Cozumel, Mexico. I will, all caps, never go back there. Horrible tourist trap with the worst panhandlers you'll ever deal with. They get real handsy and persistent. I don't know what you mean by handsy, but let's just leave it there. Don Hammock, back to Georgia, said, Pick the bad hotel in Savannah, which put a dent in that trip. Not the city's fault, though. Jeff Turner, I've had bad nights in hotels and a night in Miami after a company Christmas party was the worst. Too many words to say, but it was horrendous. Well, I'm glad you uh, kept it at that, man. I'm pretty sure you, there, you did some stuff that you don't want to tell on here, maybe because the statute of limitations hasn't run out yet, so be careful. All right, and finally, we're going to wrap it up here. Lee Gordon said, before I acquired my own accommodations, I used to spend a week each year in the Fort Lauderdale area at various hotels that were selected primarily on the basis of cost. I always enjoy my visits to South Florida, but a couple of my hotel choices left something to be desired. Well, here's hoping this episode didn't leave something to be desired for you as I prepare to take off 
And we now put it into episode number 151 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast. I thank you as ever for listening. I never take the audience for granted. Not sure what we're going to talk about next week, but I do want to say that I'm hoping to do a St. Patrick's Day special. I heard from Jack McCaffrey. He wished me Happy New Year earlier. He said hopefully he'll want to become a guest on the pod. I'm hitting his DMs, but he's been pretty busy. He hasn't responded to me back. It'd be great to get somebody originally from Ireland for the St. Patrick's Day holiday, but that's just me. So anyway, I hope you all are in a good headspace, especially with all the bullshit going on in the world right now. Again, my heart goes out to the people of Ukraine. They're going through a pretty rough time, to say the least. And hopefully we'll have a lighter episode when we convene again, whenever that may be. So I'll talk to you then. As always, and above all else, wait for it. Wait for it. Now more than ever, keep smiling. Otis lives. All right, folks, I left with some big... Hey, Clavin! Wake up! It's your little... Oh, yeah! Kick it! WTEN, Channels 10 and 19, reaching out to keep you informed. This has been a Kitty Pod production. Produced in Saratoga County, New York. Shared with the world.